0: Alright. Here we go. The table. It is Thanksgiving week. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, like eight of you. So everyone else, I, I was at, I braved Costco. I actually had to run to Costco the other day and, uh, and I, I thought, you know, I had to pick some up some, some things for church. And while I was there, I realized that it was the calm before the storm. And I called Megan, and I said, I'm shopping for Thanksgiving now. Be ready. I'm coming home with turkeys. And, uh, and so I know there's a lot of work that goes in. Anyone traveling this year for, uh, for Thanksgiving? Anyone going out of town or have traveled? Welcome. All right. So here's, here's what I want to know. Who's, who's going the furthest? Who's traveling the furthest distance? So those of you who are traveling, just kind of shout out where you're going. Okay, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Where else, huh? Eureka! Eureka. All right, little. Fr- okay, so you just got beat out there, Andrew. Where are you guys going? Arizona. Thanksgiving, Arizona, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. All right. All right. I think Cincinnati gets. All right. So I have because when you're traveling, you need caffeine. Um, so I have a Starbucks gift card for you guys. Have a good trip. Happy Thanksgiving. And then uh, how many of, who's hosting at their home? Who's hosting? All right. So here's the question. Jim raised his hand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count on Casey. For the Casey's hosting, you'll just be there. Um, <laughs> how, how many people are you hosting? Let's say 10 or more. If, you, if you're hosting, raise your hand. 10 or more. All right, raise raise it high. We got to be okay. 15 or more. 20 or more. You are going out of town. You're not hosting. hosting at the oh no. At your house. Nice try. Look, looking for the loopholes. All right, Casey. I think is there any other hands up? And and let me just tell you you don't have to share that. No. Not. No. <laughs> the table. You know, I, I think we get to Thanksgiving, and it's this, you know, in a couple of ways, it's like, here it is again, right? Anyone feeling like, I can't believe it's Thanksgiving this week? Um, and, then, and then I start feeling like this stress. I don't know about you. I kind of get kind of low-key stress about, I, oh, I need to think about what I'm thankful for. Right, Because I've got to get ready for when we sit around the table and talk about those things. And, and the reality is, is Thanksgiving should just be a part of our lives on a daily basis. That this week is more than just a head nod to the Lord. Be like, hey, thanks. right? And, and, and we can kind of treat it that way. In fact, I think something we can do is we can miss the Lord in the midst of the celebration. It can become about the stuff or stuffing. Um, it can be about the, the travel. Yeah, so drink more coffee. Um, it can be about the travel. It can be about even the stress can and overshadow that sense of thankfulness. And so I was thinking about the, the elements of Thanksgiving, and, and probably the thing that sta- stands out to me the most is the table. And so I want to share this morning a few thoughts about the significance of the table See, the, the table is a place of friendship and community. It's a place of unity, sitting together. The table is a picture of blessing or in the abundance of God's blessing in our lives, especially at Thanksgiving, right? Anyone ever eat too much on Thanksgiving? Anyone? All right, All right good. I'm not alone. That's good right? We're grazers in our family. We like start in the morning, and then by the time the the meal gets set, we're like, I have no room left. And then we eat anyway. The blessing of the Lord in our lives, and there's a tangible representation of that, the table is a place of reconciliation. The table is a place to serve and to be served. And one of my favorites is... Our table, the table is a place to laugh. We laugh at our table. We were sitting around our little table and we have a, a picnic table in our dining room. We, we do things a little differently in our house. And we were like, you know what? We want a picnic table. And so that's what we have. And so we were sitting with our kids last night and we were just laughing till we were crying and it was just so much fun. And one of the great things about the table is that you can get invited to be a part of the table. Do, do you love getting an invitation? right? Going out to dinner or going to someone's house for dinner. I know more, like exercise your arm. I'm going to ask questions this morning, so be ready to just be engaged, all right? Help me out here. I extended an invitation this morning to some people to join me. If you were one of those people I invited earlier today, would you come join me up front at the table? Um, This is more than props today. This is more than a prop. And so a handful of people coming on up Hi, Esther. Here, come grab a seat. So here's kind of the neat thing. None of them knew that the other had been asked. And uh, I'll just kind of get this out of the way. It's a little bit awkward to do this in front of the whole church on a Sunday morning. Um, Here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. As much as possible, just kind of forget that they're even here. Would you guys just kind of turn to the table... And uh, I'm going to keep talking, just ignore me. Um, if you guys don't know someone at the table, would you go ahead and just introduce yourselves? Don't feel like you have to be quiet. They can, you guys can all hear me, right? And uh, so, so here's a group of people that don't really, they may know each other, they might know, know each other. And uh, there we go. Um, so cool. There's men there's woman, there's young and younger. Hey, like how I did that? Um, and there are a group of people who are being served this morning by their pastor, and it's just just water. And I tell you, one of the things that's maybe a little awkward is when you sit around a table, and, and it's an empty table, and you're kind of wondering, well, this is, this is different. I've never done this in church before. Um, but one of the things about the table is that when we introduce food, all of a sudden, there's a connection because we all got to eat. Amen? 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 Yeah. All right. Now, to start thinking about lunch. I'd invite our servers to come up. We actually have food for you guys this morning. So forget about them. You guys just turn. You have your moment here. Um, no fried turkey, uh, but... the these are going These guys are gonna serve you. So here's here. I'm gonna keep talking. You guys just do your thing, get some food. You can put some food on your plates, uh, and just kind of hang out. And you guys can eat. Don't right. We already prayed, so you're you're good to go. Just one great Here's the thing. The um, forget about us. You turn over, You talk over there. You guys enjoy. Here's the amazing thing is you can set a table in a sanctuary in front of a group of people, and yeah, for a minute, it's going to feel awkward. We introduce some food into the mix, and it, and it starts feeling less awkward. And you can forget, yeah, these people are watching me. This is fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. You're like, are you feeling, why didn't I get an invitation? I wanted an invitation. All right. Here you go, grab a seat. (laughs) The opportunity to come to the table. It's it's not just an us idea, it's a kingdom idea, it's God's idea. The table is God's idea. And the idea the, the the thought that we would come together at Thanksgiving and sit around a table and break bread is not an American tradition. It's a biblical tradition. It is a kingdom of God tradition. And we need to not miss the importance and the depth of what the table is. I love, I love just hearing is Isn't that great? There's a depth to this. There's bridges that are built. There's things that are overcome. There's relationships that are established, connections that are made at the table. And, and here's what I love. This is an act of worship. That when we fellowship around the table, when we break bread, we are giving glory to God and, and we are becoming and we are a prophetic witness of the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? I love that they've just kind of broken through the awkwardness and pressed into fellowship. But now I'm going to dismiss them. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you. So, can we say thank you to all of these? Hey, you can take your plate, take the, take the plastic plate, that top plate, and you guys can go back to your chairs. Thank you so much. I want to talk a little about two things this morning. The first is this, the table in God's family. The table in God's family. If you go all the way back to Genesis, there is this relationship that God had with mankind, with Adam and Eve, and that they walked together, and they talked together, and there was fellowship, and I believe that there was eating together because the garden was full of good things to eat, but that was broken. And we moved into a place because of sin where we could not have that fellowship with God, where we could not be in communion with him and community with him. But God had a plan. And, and, and Jesus came not just for the salvation of our sins, though that was critical. The bigger thing was this. Jesus came to save our sin, save us from our sins, forgive our, our sins, to, to reconcile us to God so that we could be in intimate fellowship and community with him. And all through scripture, we see that food plays a big part in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen this morning? And I believe it's going to be all of the best food. What? Imagine the best dish you can, can think of right now. This is dangerous for a pastor to do, but go ahead and think of that. I believe that will be present in the kingdom of God for you to enjoy. And here's the best part. No calories. Come on. <laughs> No calories. Isaiah spoke of this in Isaiah twenty-five, six. He says, This on this mountain the Lord will prepare, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best meats, and the finest wines. I love that it says the best meats. Yeah. We're gonna have barbecue, right? God is preparing a feast for his children, for his family. He wants to to sit and eat, and he spoke prophetically through the prophet Isaiah and through other passages about this moment where we would sit at a banquet table with God, and we would just hang out. I know some people have this picture of heaven as angels and wings and harps. No, thank you. No, thank you. I like the picture of the banqueting table where we get to sit down and have a meal and be in fellowship and enjoy that time together. Jesus reiterated this in Luke chapter 13, verse 29. He says this, people will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord, that's coming. But we get to be a part of it before that day. Revelation talks about this banquet that will take place. When all's done, when Jesus returns, when Satan is vanquished and he establishes his kingdom that we will sit and we will break bread and we will drink wine. In fact, Jesus talks about that in the upper room when he drink, eats the bread and drinks the wine and he says, I will not drink of this cup again until my kingdom comes in full. When he returns and we will have this feast and every time that we get together and break bread, we are being a prophetic witness of that kingdom being established here on earth and what God is doing. And so we are a prophetic witness of God's kingdom. We see in, the, tab- in the, at the table, rather, in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple, Exodus 25 verse 23 says this, "...make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, a cubit and a half high." And then he goes on in verse 29 and make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. And in the tabernacle and the temple, there was a table that was set for dinner. There was a table that was set for dinner. There was bread. There was wine. There was meat that was offered. There were ingredients happening. Why? Because God is looking forward to the day that we will be able to sit in his presence and break that bread. In fact, Jesus fulfills a part of that promise when he comes and he says, I am the bread of life and that he was broken for us so that we could be reconciled, God, to man and man to God. All pointing to this day, this day of fulfillment And that's why it's prophetic. It's looking ahead. We're not there yet, but it's in process. We've been restored to God. We have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But there's a day coming where Jesus will return and we will sit with him and with the Father and we will eat. And so the Old Testament points to that day. And not surprisingly, Jesus satisfies that prophetic yearning. And when he comes, when Jesus came in the flesh, a major aspect, a major point of his ministry here on earth was the table. All throughout scripture, we see that Jesus went into the home of this person. He went to this banquet and that banquet and this place and that place, and he sat and he broke bread with them and he ate with them. What I love about the table and the ministry of Jesus is that he welcomed people to the table and as he did he challenged the norms of the day the cultural assumptions and the divisions that had been established were broken by jesus he ate with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and was accused of those things was ridiculed because of those things you see the jews had a fairly involved table protocol you didn't just show up for dinner that every day as a meal was served and people would position themselves around the table, there were p- places of honor. There were places that you sat and places you didn't seat. And it was presumptuous for you to sit in a place that wasn't your place to sit. You knew what the pecking order was and where you fit in that, and you did not ever violate those rules. In fact, it was the table where these values and these, and these hierarchies and the status and the social boundaries were reinforced. Every day as they would break bread together, you knew if you were in or you were out based on whether or not you were at the table. If you were a person of influence, if you could get someone uh, that that was famous, someone that had a great reputation, that was well-known, if you could get them to come and eat at your table, it was a big deal. It increased your honor and your status in the community. Think about that in remembering the fact that Jesus would be walking through a town, see a guy up in a tree who's a tax collector and a sinner, and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house to stay. I'm coming over for dinner. That Jesus consistently inserted himself into places and into situations, into homes, and into people groups that challenged the norms and the cultures of that day. One of the commentator's that I read said it this way. Jesus presented the rule of God using images of food and drink and home as a, as a, listen to this, as a roving banquet hall by which God sought Israelites to be guests and then hosts. At this table, they were offered reconciliation with God, a true home, and his spiritual and material abundance, as the basis for offering all these good things to each other, to others yet to come, and listen to this, and even to enemies. Even to enemies. And so in the midst of a culture that says, be careful who you invite to dinner, Jesus said, everybody's welcome at my table. Everyone has a place at my table. Everyone gets in invitation. And so we see throughout Scripture significant tables. Of course, the Last Supper, one of the most famous tables in history, right? Paintings that depict that gathering. Not a table like this, but a, a low table with pillows around it where they would recline and eat, you see, because they weren't in a hurry. Meals didn't weren't, weren't something to rush through. They were something to be savored and enjoyed. And so they would spend time reclining with each other and eating slowly, right? How many of you, your mom told you, chew your food properly, right? Wasn't a big deal for them because they savored what they were eating and they took their time, there was a feast and a banquet at the wedding in Cana where Jesus turns the water into wine. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. He was the tax collector. Tells us that Jesus ate at the house of a Pharisee. Wait a minute. Didn't the Pharisees oppose him? Yet yeah, Jesus goes into the house of a Pharisee. And in fact, it's in this Pharisee that the woman with the alabaster jar comes and cries and washes his feet with her hair and then anoints his feet, and everyone in the room challenges. In fact, uh, the Pharisee says to the people around him, "If he knew who she was, she wouldn't. He wouldn't let her touch him." There's a wall that exists there, and Jesus is violating the wall. And and so Jesus says to him, "Simon, I have something I want to tell you." And he says, "Suppose two people had." debts one really high large huge and the other one a small one and and those two debts were forgiven which person do you think would be more thankful and of course simon says what's well, the one with the greater debt and he says you've judged correctly and then he turns to the woman and he says daughter your sins are forgiven go in peace jesus modeling in the midst of a culture that rejected women, that rejected people who made bad decisions with their life. She was a prostitute. She didn't belong. She had no honor. She brought no honor to that home and kind of wonder, how did she get in in the first place? Yet here she was and Jesus didn't reject her. By the way, I want to tie something together. We got to lay hands on pray on Jesse this morning. I, I love that we're part of a denomination and a movement that licenses and ordains women in ministry because there are those that don't but Jesus here is illustrating and showing that everyone has a place not just at the, the table not just to serve at the table but to be at the table in any position one of the questions in the in the the licensing interview is is in regards to the view on women in ministry and, and I love the answer that that in our in our movement in our denomination in this family that that a woman can hold any position that a man can. There's nothing that's off the table. Jesus reinforced that everywhere he went. He invited people in that the culture said they don't belong, they don't have a place. He goes to Matthew's house, also a tax collector, and then that guy actually becomes one of his disciples. He says, follow me. He goes into the house of Simon the leper. Simon the leper, this man you don't associate with people, even if he had been healed, which he was, but even if you have that stigma, you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know the way you used to be. I want to hang out with you. Jesus goes into the house of Simon the leper, and of course, we know that he goes to the house of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, a favorite place for him to go and be and to sit with that family. The table was an important part of the life and ministry of Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, you are always welcome at his table. You are always welcome at his table. And I'll extend that to this congregation. You are always, always welcome here you're always welcome. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes you've made or you think you've made, because there's a difference. It doesn't matter if you feel high or low. Well, I don't want to go to church because I don't know if I can put on a smile today. Then come to church and don't smile. It's okay. Don't feel like you got to, make, you got to fake it. Jesus says that there's always place for you at his table. That nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. There's two amazing stories in scripture that illustrate this. I can't share both. I'll mention them both. The prodigal son, of course, we know. The father whose son leaves and rejects him. And when he comes back, is restored. The other is the story of a man named Mephib- Yeah, Mephibosheth. I'm going to drink more water. He was the grandson of King Saul. King Saul who hated David and tried to kill him. He was the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. And we see in 2 Samuel chapter 9, Jesus rather, David, King David is talking to his officials and he says, listen, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I could bless. Is there anyone left of the house and the lineage of the man who tried to take my life because I want to bless him? And so someone says, yes, there's a crippled man named M. We're going to call him M. <laughs> 2 Samuel 9.10, you and your sons, this is David speaking to him. He says, you and your sons are to farm the land for him. Bring in the crops. This is the servant of Mephibosheth. Man, I'm having a hard time with that today. So, your master's grandson may be provided for, and M, grandson of your master, will always eat. Listen to that at my table. At my table. It was Ziba that he was talking to, and and his family were the ones that served Mephibosheth. Got it, yes. I love the picture here. You know, we hang on to grudges, don't we? Here's this man, King David, who's saying, listen, Saul did me wrong, but I want to be a blessing to his offspring. I want to be a blessing to his family. And he finds Mephibosheth, brings him and his household in, and he says, listen, everything In my kingdom, everything in my house belongs to you, gives him land, provides for him. Remember, he's a cripple as well. His feet are broken and, and he's not able to walk, which in that culture, when you're broken, you don't belong at the table. And David says, you will always have a place at my table. We're broken we have broken this, and we make mistakes, and sometimes it's not even our mistakes. Maybe it's the mistakes of generations before. Maybe, maybe there's things that have happened in your lineage, in your heritage, in your extended family that you feel like have tainted you or have made you untouchable, and that God would say to you, "I don't see those things. You have a place at my table. You are always welcome. You are always." Welcome to sit, to partake, to be a part. I'm getting a little bit of a ringing up here, guys. I don't know if we can... Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I I grew up hearing this passage and, and it was used in relation to evangelism right the the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart, and you need to let him in. What we miss though is the fact that 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 the revelation that's being given to John here, this message is actually being given to the church. Right. Right. It's been given to the church that there is a part of us that can say to Jesus, You know what hey i'll I'll praise you on Sunday morning, but honestly you." I don't, I'm not really giving you place in my life. Imagine this picture, church, that Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts as his followers, as his children, to say, hey, would you let me in? Would you let me into your life? Would you let me into your worship? Would you let me into your experience? Would you let me into your community? Would you let me into your family? Would you let me into your work? I'm calling out to you. I want to be a part of what's happening in your life. Don't keep me at an arm's length. I want to to be a part. I'm inviting myself into your life, and what I want to do is I want to come and sit and eat with you. I want to be close to you. Remember how this group came and sat, and and within a few minutes, after the food was served and, and, and my instruction was, hey, forget about everyone else, that they were actually able to do that and enter in. When we sit with Jesus and we break bread with Jesus, when we invite him to be at the table with us, the things that are pressing in our lives, the things that are distracting in our lives will fade away. That he will remove those distractions and he will bring a level of peace to our lives. You are always welcome at his table. There's so much more to say. I want to encourage you, just do a word search maybe online in a Bible Bible app or something and just look up the word table and the word banquet and the word feast and just read those passages. There's a lot that goes into There's a lot of theology behind all of this. We just don't have time for all of that this morning because I want to talk about the table in your family. The table in your Family. want to encourage you two points this morning under this sub point is this first of all make the table a priority make the table a priority and when i say table i literally mean the table clear off the bills and the paperwork and the wrapping paper or whatever is lying on your dining room table and set it Prepare a meal and make the table, make sitting down at the table a prior, priority for your family. See, we're a culture on the move. We've got places to go and things to do and other people to see. And so often it's, hey, let's just grab something on the go. Now, I love In-N-Out as much as the next person, right? <laughs> and there's days where you're like, I just need a double-double animal style, Uh, I'm just not doing well with, like, planting seeds in your mind. By the way, here's the great thing. We don't have to tear down today. We get to stay set up. So as as soon as I say amen, you can hit the drive-thru. So no, don't. Go set the table. No. We're on the go, or, or we eat in front of the TV. Or we just go out to eat because I'm too tired. I've got too much going on. We have to fight to make the table a priority for our families. Can I just tell you, your kids need it. You need it. I believe that the table is one of the greatest and most important discipleship tools we have. That when we ignore the table, what essentially what we're saying is, I don't really value as much as I should discipling my spouse, my children, and anyone else who would come and sit at my table. And that might sound a little heavy-handed because that's exactly what I mean it to sound like. Because the enemy wants to tell us it's not that important, but we see all throughout Scripture that it is. It's critical. It's so important. And so we need to fight to make sure the table is a priority. So we need, with that being said, we need a plan to gather around the table on a regular basis. Pick one day a week. I grew up in a home where every Sunday, most every Sunday after church, we all went to granny's house, and all of the extended family came, and we sat, we had extended family dinner around that table. As, as growing up, I, I, there were very few Sundays where that didn't happen, and if it wasn't at her house, it was at someone else's house. If we weren't eating at her house on Sunday, it was at our house, and we would sit around the table, and just remember as a kid, we would have these long banquet tables. By the way, I grew up in South Africa. We didn't have Thanksgiving. So it wasn't like we did it at Christmas, but almost every Sunday we set out a table and pulled out. I remember my grandmother had the nicest, like this bone china, and us kids would eat off of these expensive plates because her whole thing was they're not meant to sit in a cupboard and look at, Mm -hmm. and we used them. And I tell you, there was some awkwardness in our family. There were things that were so broken, but we all ended up sitting at that table every week. We press through that to make it a priority, and that's translated into our family, but we've recognized with the pressures of of kids in high school and college and ministry that that those things can be neglected, and so we have to fight. Megan and I talk about this every week. When are we going to sit down together as a family? And every semester as the class schedule comes out and we know who's playing what sports, (laughs) right, and we figure out, okay, that's our free night. So, so just so you know, if you want to hang out on Wednesday night, it's not going to happen because we're committing to have dinner as a family on Wednesday night, to sit down at our table and to share. Plan it. Look at your calendars. Be intentional about it. Don't be in a hurry. Get involved in the cooking. Get your kids involved. Bob was saying, hey, what's the practical thing, right? I love this in, my, in our home. One of the things Megan does at Thanksgiving and throughout the rest of the year, she tells our kids, you get to pick one thing that you're going to make, one item. You can pick it, right, but you're going to make it. And so everyone participates in the making of the meal. And we all have a part and a share in that when we sit down, we sit down and we're working on, we're not perfect at this and we're trying to get there, but we try to minimize the distractions. And I got to tell you, this is number one right here right? Put it in the other room. Turn it off. Can I encourage you at Thanksgiving this year? Like, I know some people will do like a little phone cage or a little jail. You ever seen that? Do something like that. I even know, like, I got this watch that lets me know when I get a text message. I have to take it off. I have to, because I it just, I'm like Pavlov's dog. And My arm vibrates, and I'm just looking at it constantly, and I realized how incredibly rude it is, I'll be having a conversation with something and my arm vibrates, and I'm going, oh, I want to just look, uh, just, and realize that's rude. So here's the other thing be present. Be present. Look at each other in the eyes. Have a conversation. Don't be in a hurry. Don't just try and get through the meal. And then clean up together. Can I get an amen? I just became the favorite pastor in the world. (laughs) Don't rush out of the room. What if, just as a thought, everyone helped with cleanup? So then everyone could go take that turkey nap. Right? Get in. Have your kids participate. Well, my kids, as parents, we don't give them an option. Because in the kingdom of God, we learn to serve. Get them involved. They might not appreciate it now, but they will That's right. one day. That's right. So make it a priority in your home. And then finally this morning, make place at your table. Make place at your table. And I'm not just talking about Thanksgiving. I want to encourage you as sons and daughters of the king. Be asking the Lord, who, who do I need to invite to sit at my table well, Pastor Barry, I, you know, like we, like our plates don't all match, or doesn't matter. I'm not the greatest cook, doesn't matter. We see beyond those things. It's the invitation that matters. That we would say, God, I want to be a representation of your kingdom, a prophetic witness of your kingdom, by opening place at my table. Now it's easy just to invite. The people we already know I want to stretch this next year I want to encourage you maybe once a month think about a family at church someone that you've met Megan and I are, we there's some couples that we've met through being in the football booster club and and guess here's the thing they don't go to church and you know what we've not done is just say hey go to our church <laughs> what we've said is hey come join us at our home I'd love to cook you a steak right? Not you, Jacques. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I'd love to cook you a steak. What if we start thinking in those terms? God, who is it that can come to my table that I extend grace and blessing and love and provision to and be a prophetic witness of your kingdom in their lives? Church, We can't even comprehend and dream of the things that God could do at our dinner tables if we would invite him and give him the opportunity to do that. Our tables are so, so key. There's a story in Luke chapter 14. and We're out of time this morning, so I'm giving you homework today. Make a note. Luke 14, chapter 7 through 14. Jesus talks about the places of honor At the table and an argument that ensued about who gets the best place, who gets to sit at the head. And Jesus shares some thoughts about his kingdom. Is this connecting for you this morning? Invite you to kind of chew on this throughout the day and into this week. Pun totally intended. (laughs) Chew on this. Let Let it just kind of soak in your heart. And ask the Lord to prepare you for Thursday. Pray over your table. Take some anointing oil. If you don't have anointing oil, use some vegetable oil. If you, we have little vials of anointing oil, grab one and take it home with you. Would you anoint your table, anoint the chairs, anoint the doorposts of your home? And set your, part, your house apart. Those, the, the table that was in the temple and the tabernacle were consecrated. They were set apart for the purpose and for the glory of God. Would you consecrate your home? Consecrate your table. And set them apart and say, God, I'm inviting you to be a part of this gathering this week. Would you be present? Would you be the guest of honor? And would you do something amazing at this table this week? And then let's sit back and watch what God does as he connects, as he unifies, as he restores, as he heals, as he encourages, as the kingdom of God is made present right there in your dining room. Amen? Let's stand together. So Lord, we open our hearts to you. We thank you that we have a place at the table that we are never turned away. I want to encourage you if, if that's a, a point of sensitivity for you even if I, as I say those words would you receive from the Lord just his healing touch right now his warm embrace. You are not unwelcome you are Most welcome in the arms of the King. God, as we prepare this week, as we give thanks as we travel or host or go to someone else's house, God, that you would be present in our celebration. Jesus, that you would show up as we welcome you. And Lord, that this would be a Thanksgiving like no other. I pray that there would be testimonies of reconciliation that would come out of this week. I pray, Lord, that relationships that have been strained would find peace. God, we lift to you those, Lord, where the holidays, for whom the holidays are a difficult time of the year. Because of loss, because of separation, Lord, because of whatever. God, we pray your peace in each one of those hearts and those circumstances. I pray that everyone his hurting, Lord, would be surrounded by so many who would bring care and love. And Jesus, this morning we give you thanks. Can you just say thank you to Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making a way for us to have access to that table. And Jesus, we look forward to the day where we will sit at the great banquet table in your kingdom and share with each other men and women, boys and girls from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We give you praise in your name. Amen. Let's close together with worship.